podcast listeners. If you hear my voice right now, I need you to do something for me. I want you to take out your phone or on your computer, go to Apple Podcasts, search for Ask Your Old Head Podcast. You'll see my, my logo, my little picture, my little image there. Find the show. Please rate and write a review. It's a small thing, but it helps others find this work and find what I'm doing here. And it really, really matters, uh, as small as that may seem. So if you could please do that uh, before we get into the show, I much appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Let's get into it. Peace. Peace. I'm Justin. My brother, Justice Raji. All right. All right. So... You know, unlike our uh, overall, well, I guess our presumption, our, our uh, perception of the speed of vote counting is distorted. Because I mean, at least I know all of my life, you just you know they would be on news and it'd be like, and at twelve p.m., twelve midnight, we've declared this person the, the president, or you know whatever, you know, based on reporting from seven districts. You know what I mean? Whatever. There was no action. Right. It, it, it used to happen kind of fast. We, we would figure it out. Yeah, but also, but but even then, when we were told that the actual certification was like two, three weeks after, <laughs> like it was never actually, like it was, yeah, it was never fair, like number, like the counting wasn't really done. I guess is what I'm saying. But in any event, I mean, I think we, you know, just due to you know, we live, we still live in a representative democracy, and this was election week. I think you know, a couple let's get a couple words in. On the recent election, and I, and I think significantly where I would want to start with is the assumed red wave. Uh, it didn't happen. I mean, you know, it was some some flips and some dips and some things, but the like the the uh, the um, the Republican Party, uh, the the conservative movement would storm the gates, so to speak. <laughs> well, I guess that's, that might be a bad taste. <laughs> Give it the last. Yeah, that was a little just. That was a little tough. That's a little tough on them. Man, they earned it. They that's on them. They run with them people. Stop hanging out with people that want to storm buildings and attack Congress people. I'm just saying. That's you. That's who you kick it with. Um the uh the you know, it, it didn't happen. And and it was it was interesting to me. I mean, I've always the, the first thing that that it made me think about was like the way we get information about what's happening right in the world. And I think at times we've touched on this in like our information channels, but particularly as it pertains to polling, you know, there's always the assumption that whoever's doing the polling, you know, I guess, you know, there's like conservative polls and there's liberal polls and, you know, you know, leaning into some polls that are considered more middle of the road, but generally, you know, it's a survey. It's, 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 it's selective data gathering you know like you're doing some process to get that data and then reporting out these projections and i've always myself been like suspicious like i don't recall i think i may have been polled a couple times maybe i don't i don't, I don't know you know it's like one of these like man you oh. know they ain't called man they saw your name they calling you man let's not even act like you got polled man this is america jack <laughs> you know how people got polled and why they got polled. And, and I'm going to be reminding us of this conversation in the words of John Amos in Coming to America. This is America, Jack. 
Because there are fundamental things you have to remember about how this stuff goes in this country that has everything to do with those with that four word phrase. But please continue on. Yeah. So just generally, I mean, from the looks of things, if if Warnock wins his runoff, which is is likely because runoffs are about getting people to come back out and vote again. And I don't know how many people go come back out and vote for Herschel Walker. Like this real talk. And so boy's like, look, I tried. <laughs> this dude's terrible. I tried though. You know what I'm saying? If I, I can imagine some like on the edge uh conservative cat who maybe wasn't really into either one of these people was like, yeah, but I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and do it. And then it's like, yeah, we need you to come back out in, in a month and, and vote again. Like word. I ain't, I mean, they wouldn't say word. They would say something else, but they would say like for real or something. But, you know, generally you have a situation where the, the Democratic Party um, could hold on, what could have actually a, a, a full actual majority in the Senate, meaning a majority without the vice president, which to my understanding changes the way like the committees work and everything else, because now you like have, you don't have to do a 50-50 thing or something with uh so internal yeah you don't have to cut i mean the vice when you have the 50 50 thing the vice chairs are much more powerful frankly um versus the the vice chairs in a situation where the um where you you got like a vote or two a breathing room right the vice chair is still important but not as important when you got that 50 50 yeah. absolutely and so and then in the house i haven't looked up it it, it Basically, it's not a, a it's like a if if the numbers of my understanding, if I remember at the time of this recording, correct, like, you know, the Republican Party may have a a one or two seat lead, but it's basically not enough to be like the people that's super wacko in the party. You can't isolate them because you're going to need all their votes all the time, which means, I mean, you know, largely the House may not get anything done for the next two years, <laughs> what it looks like to me and or. Um, you know, in, in an optimistic framing, maybe they'll just maybe people will actually focus on like you know doing the people's work and resolving societal issues as opposed to having an ongoing culture war about how you want to control and dominate people in your own vision. I don't know; it could go any way, but hopefully, this is America, Jack. This is America. Listen, <laughs> listen, man. The, what this does to me is it makes some part of the Republicans of the House conference really strong in the same way Joe Manchin and, and Senator Cinema became really strong in the Senate, where the vast majority of people may have been somewhere else, but at the end of the day, you need every vote. And if you think about doing that um, in whipping every vote and not saying that Representative McCarthy can't do it, he's been the minority leader, but, you know, it only takes a brief look at the history um, in the last 10 years to look at Representative Ryan and Representative Boehner um, to see the complications with uh, keeping the Republican conference together. Then mm-hmm. that's to say the least. I mean, we, we got books yeah. about it, yeah. about how difficult it is to keep the conference together, given that it actually, I would argue, has a wider as much as we talk about the big tent of the Democrats. Right. And and we often bemoan what that means. And some people say kick some people out the tent. Some people say make the tent bigger because that's the only way you're going to win in a center right country, which I'm kind of frankly thinking America, frankly, is more right now. Um, 
that the Republican tent is huge. Like you have people who believe in not just the, your garden variety fairy fairy tales, but your real fairy tales, right? All the way over to people who are socially liberal but financially conservative, right? And so keeping a conference together like that, but being able to be hijacked by the Freedom Caucus because you need every one of their votes, right? Is I think it's going to be a real challenge and. You know, this is so this is more of a thing of just my respect for uh, Representative Pelosi, uh, Congresswoman Pelosi. Like, I don't think McCarthy's as good as she is. We're keeping the keeping the, you know, keeping the, the group together. So I think regardless if they're up one or two, um, I think they'll be hijacked by that last vote which means that anything that comes across will be a mismatch and will never get in and won't move in the Senate anyway. And, and basically it protects the Senate because the Senate don't have, won't have to bring anything up because it'll die with the Senate all the time. Right. 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 It'd be like, yeah, it ain't going to pass. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be like, it'd be, like, yeah, this is our idea. We're going to say, nah, you might as well just go and hold that player. We ain't, we ain't doing that. <laughs> it ain't getting out of this building. Um, it, it's also, I think, um, the thing that, you know, watching it happen, it's like, you know, we, we as uh, I think it's safe to say, as, um, you know, black men of certain age and, and as uh, black folks who come from, you know, families at least to some, you know, varying degrees have been um, politically aware for a while and, and, and active, on, you know, beyond our own generation, sort of like a, you know, this is what they're reporting on the news. I wouldn't really believe that, but it might be true, right? So when you get to these projections and like how people are going to vote and why people are voting, um, as as much as the age old you know trope in, in, in this is America, Jack of like crime, you know, the, the the you know, and I was home watching you know, and I don't really have I don't watch a lot of stuff that has commercials because I I do all the streaming things and I and I pay that extra four dollars or whatever it is to not see commercials so you know outside of watching sporting events i don't see commercials so i'm home i'm just it's just like i i you would think that there was a like a a grand theft auto style roving gangs of people like hijacking houses i don't you know what i mean it's just the, the news would have you believe like it, it's this impending doom right um if we don't do something now and uh and and just the the way people were framed up you know this person crazy as a such and such brought to you by you know people who don't want to really say their name out loud but they want you to vote for the other person like all of those types of ads but no real focus on like underlying root causes you know structural issues you know and i understand you can't never guess i mean i think people say you can't put that in a commercial but my point being how do we trust these, these vehicles, you know, and I, and I'll give you an example. So when I went to Netroots nation last summer, my favorite panel, I went to, um, had three different, um, brother from the black male voter project. Um, I'm going to get everyone's names and put them somewhere. I, I just popped back in my head. So I don't remember all four of the folks. So the moderator and then two sisters, one says that's like a, like a researcher type does like okay. stuff. Um, and the other sister who's like a long time um, organizer and, you know, various different levels. And everything was just that, like, when it comes to black people, 
and what we actually are doing and voting and thinking, most of the vehicles that we have for people to know what we're thinking and doing are not sufficient. They just don't know. The people don't campaign to us the right way across the spectrum. You know what I mean? Not just like, you know, we, we've talked about kind of the relate, like the way black men are engaged in the political process. Um, but like generally there's stuff just assumed about us. And I always feel like some of these like articles on polling, especially sort of in like the New York Times, like, you know, part of me goes, are they focusing on this to get me to read the paper? Or are they focusing on this because it's actually a possible, you know, like a really real outcome, you know, and, you know, we got to remember these things are still products that people sell. Right. And then, you know, you get the, you know, people's criticism was it a uh, five thirty eight, you know, you know, that they do their, their little tables and stuff. And people, you know, rightly say like, yeah, they don't ask the best questions possibly as it pertains really to know what black folks are really going to do. Right. And I, I still think that there's such a, a need for the development of how, even for our own benefit, like we know what our community actually is thinking politically. You know what I mean? The, the exit polling that's come out is basically pointed to, yeah, still pretty much at the rate that we do, Black people voted, <laughs> voted, voted for, for the Democrat that was running um, in, in most of these like battleground states and these other places, There's other people that may have voted in various ways, um, especially older folks. And then the other data that has come out so far is that young people, you know, people under 29, under 30, I think 60%, 63% voted, uh, I guess more, you know, to the you know democratic side of the ticket um, and, and uh, abortion and, other related things like that being a big part of that motivation, at least perceived that, you know, I'm sure more will come out on that. But I guess what I'm saying is how does, when you see these different polling things and reports, like how does that impact you when you think about like what's about to happen in the election cycle? Yeah. So a couple of things with this one, want to go back to you a little bit about the crime issue. There is not a debate. I mean, there's from what I've seen from being in a number of big cities in America that for a variety of reasons, post pandemic, um, that kind of incidences of crime or incidences of things more, more, I would say this, it's not to say crime, it's incidences of things that make people feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm. And I think those are two different things from crime because I want to touch on that. In downtowns across America, there are incidences of things that make you feel uncomfortable that you didn't see pre-pandemic. That could be people without addresses, folks who are dealing with mental and emotional health challenges. Um, So you see those kind of things. And they are affecting downtowns across America. That's not a debate. That's not like a made-up thing. Mm-hmm. Um, again, because they are very real societal and structural reasons you're seeing these things when before you didn't see them. So part of it is you have to ask the question, why didn't you see them before? Mm-hmm. Where were they at? Right. So, so that is one thing. The other part of it is whenever they show these pictures, they show these like people shooting in places and stuff like that. It's important to remember they're showing neighborhoods where this stuff is happening to other black and brown people like this stuff is not happening to them in their neighborhoods right it's happening to black folks and you're using the tapes because we're taping everything now right right everything is on tape and we're taping events that are heinous they're heinous I mean, don't make no mistake they're heinous and negative and, and and they are harmful to people but the fact they're using it to talk about to to elect someone 
that's not going to resolve that happening in black communities. Mm -hmm. They're not going to do that. So you're, you're putting fear in people about things around real crimes that are happening in those places. Now, the incidences of general lack of comfortability and how that impacts some cities, not all, but some cities with office um, return to office work is a real thing. That's not a that's not a, a made up concept. So that's one. I just want to make that distinction. Two, we have Cornell, you know, Cornell Belcher um, was really known and probably America's most well-known black pollster constantly um, talks about guarding against this assumption of how black folks vote based upon one election mm -hmm. and meaning there was something different about Donald Trump. Like that is, I, I, I think that is clear in direct in the, the research, right? Like Donald Trump moved people to vote, moved some black men and some and some uh, Latino men to vote for the Republican Party. That doesn't mean the Republican Party is doing better with black men. And I think, we, you know, that nuance is lost in our dialogues. People saw Donald Trump. He has looked he's been successful, you know, I'm sure, you know, next conversation we could talk about the dave Chappelle saturday night live <laughs> uh, monologue but one of the things he touches on is like donald trump is an honest liar he told you exactly who he was and exactly what he was going to do and there's a set of people who like stuff like that <laughs> there's a set of men who like that kind of thing yeah um and so i think we've we've misconstrued a vote for donald trump in the presidential election for this migration away from the democratic party for whatever that means Mm -hmm. The other part of this, and this is an in-house conversation, which obviously ain't in-house because we're about to put it on the internet, <laughs> but in the black community, it, on social media, there's all these debates about how black men don't step up to vote for people. And there's this premise that black women are delivering things that black men, for whatever reason, are not. And I think that this that conversation again if it did happen in 16 and if we argue that the percentages were five or six percent different for men and women i mean percentages of men and women in their voting patterns are different they're not the same right like white men and white women don't vote the same percentage on things yeah latino men and latino women don't vote the same percentage on particular issues that that's a gender challenge. That's not a solid. That's not a racial challenge as much as we would like to think it is. So I think we do have that challenge that every time we don't see something and because Stacey Abrams didn't win, the assumption is like. Because she was a black woman, black men deserted her when the data is in that black men did not desert her. Yeah. If there were people who had a actual value based reasoning that they supported Kemp then we have to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. We have to be open and say, what is the reason that this set of people have said, hey, we are supporting Kemp? Was it finances? What, you know, was it conservatism? Was it uh, you know, some of the some of the stuff that Kemp has done in Georgia? I mean, we 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 need to have a real conversation about that versus making it a blanket statement about black men. Um, especially again, as where Belcher says, and as you alluded to, the data doesn't kind of bear that out, right? And and, and the, the last thing I'll say about this is like when 
when we're being given con- when we're not having the conversations internally to talk about what is important to us as a community and kind of being framed to say that like because some of the people who are being floated to us as candidates from the Republican Party are either like crazy or <laughs> you know what I mean like mm-hmm. that d- just deny that Barack Obama still is an American or any kind of variation of thing we can lose the fact of what are the issues that our community cares about at what it kind of like in what order and how do we think about that? And I, I think it's, it, it it's infantilizing our politics, frankly. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's infantilizing that, you know, there's parties, there's issues and there's values. And those are sometime aligned, but not all the time. Um, <laughs> And one thing I'll say, right last thing about the this is america jack when we see and everyone goes for example stacy abrams in georgia and everyone's like well you know white women let us down i want to say something white women didn't let you down they performed in mass they performed as they always do in regard to voting for anyone that's not named Barack Hussein Obama. Yeah. And I, you know, I'll leave it up to everyone to figure out what some of those reasons are. But this is America, Jack. You should know that unless people feel really compelled, a certain segment of the population feels really compelled to vote against race, they are going to vote according to the longstanding premises of how. Black people are perceived when it comes to leadership. And I just, you know, anything else we tell ourselves is actually deluding ourselves with the actual history of voting in America. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's always the, it's the like shock and awe of it all that people go, oh, wow, they didn't vote. I'm like, I mean, I, you know, I, I can't say I've been paying close attention since since we, you know, since the 80s, but I've been paying attention. <laughs> and, and and I have not seen a, a, a broad derivation from the idea that, like, most of the time, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm a, uh, people get, you know, they be outside, you know, like, yeah, yeah, I'm voting, I'm voting with my, with my, with my issues and da, da, da. And then they get in the booth, it's like, I don't know about the black guy. I don't know about that black person. I'm going to go ahead and go the other way. You know what I'm saying? It, it bears out statistically, um, you know, it, it doesn't mean that no one who, who who would identify as such votes, you know, for for diverse you know candidates that are not white. It just it's still a consistent feature of our political apparatus that, um, particularly white folks, don't always vote for people of color, black folks especially. You know what I'm saying? It it just is. You know, however people feel about it, you know, I think it means a space to talk <laughs> and engage in dialogue and and deep thinking and deep learning and ask questions about that. And, you know, maybe all the time, you know, uh, the, the, the values or the, 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 the issues that the person think are most important line up, you know, but we also know just in general and in, in human development. Um, and if you've ever read Daniel Kahneman's uh, thinking fast, uh, thinking slow, you know, the, the one book it's over there on my shelf. Uh, Absolutely. We substitute in, our minds 
our brains, the way we function, we can substitute in the answer for a question with other pieces of information, even though we think we're using the other this different piece of information. Oh, yeah, I'm making this decision based on this, but you're really making it based on some other some other ideas. Um, you know, even bearing out Wisconsin voting and Mandela Barnes. Good thing that you got so very close. Um, but when you look down the ticket, it's like, yeah, man, those, the, the Democrat, other Democrats who were not, you know, man named Mandela, were right there, and he couldn't get over the edge. You know what I'm saying? It's, um, I, I think, you know, and maybe it will be the defining shape of the next this next decade, you know, of uh, like the the continued work to to move the United States away from its, its virulently racist, racist past and um, and the embedding of those ideas of the inferiority of, of Black folks specifically and other brown folks and and, and, it, and the attempt to totally erase, you know, our indigenous, indigenous brothers and sisters, indigenous communities, um, that it'll go, you know, maybe, we, you know, some of us start just working on, like, those are people over there and they have interests and, we're you know, We'll, we'll we'll get to this other place. I, I you know maybe that can be the defining conversation, or one of the defining conversations over the next you know ten to fifteen years of like how we move forward as a as a place on Earth. Um, not that that's not informed in any way by just like these outcomes being different than people expected. It's just my general outcome that the the conversation about power and structure changes over time. And so when we were kids, it was very we were you know before our age of voting, it was very like, get black folks in office. Like that was the the movement. Just get them in office, like at a higher clip and especially in, in spaces that we had not been had previous representation. Cause by the time of our youth, you know, we've talked about like the, the, the number of black mayors, um, you know, you still had different like congressmen, congresspersons, cause that was a level of impact that was more achievable, but we still didn't have any yeah, I don't think we had any blacks. We didn't because Barack was one of the first black senators since Reconstruction. Absolutely right. So, um, not, so, not from Massachusetts. Yeah, not from <laughs> Massachusetts. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, in this time, you know, the idea of seeing, even though it's still not as probably as high as people think it is in terms of representation, but I think the next layer is like, you know, where people represented. But also, what is the apparatus underneath them that supports them, you know, to be there? You know, I had an interesting conversation with my son about uh, about the, the ballot and about voting that got all off into stuff that wasn't even on the ballot, like term limits. And, you know, in his his big, I'll let him speak for himself at a future date, but the the thing we were talking about was like, you know, what's the value of term limits? I was like, well, on one hand, I mean, it can be cool, like to, 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 to kind of force the situation where someone new needs to be in the slot, but it then also, that then sometimes gives more power to the apparatus that what supports the slot, which may not be a good thing. Right. And then the other hand, sometimes it's dope. If you, if your neighborhood got somebody that been, basically has a lot of cachet and pull and they, and they're in a position to, to make some things happen for you. That's also a good thing, you know. On the other hand, you know, no, no disrespect to you know my super, my super duper elders, but Chuck Grassley being eighty nine years old and still representing wherever he's from seems a little bit like they ain't got nobody new out there. That that's not. I mean, you know, respect. You know, you know, you want to be out here and be in the representative government, but at some point, 
you know, we have a lot of super older than the populist folks running the country. And, you know, it begs to like, you know, make a little space for the, for, for some other generations to get in here and, 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 um, you know, be in positions of, uh, influence and decision-making, but eh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you know, that one thing you make an interesting point about kind of where politics goes. And it's interesting that we talk about a lot of these waves and we talk about the values and, and definitely nationally. Right. But then it's important to remember, we've only had three black governors ever. Yeah. <laughs> the whole, right? like, whole so time, only three. the whole time, the entire time. It's important for folks to three elected uh, Patterson, I think, uh, in New York. They appointed the replacement. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah was appointed. Um, it's important. Like Doug Wilder. Uh, uh, man, Deval Patrick and Westmore. Yeah. That just won it in, in Maryland. Yeah. Which is pretty dope. And that's it. Yeah. Right. And so. There's a really interesting thing, I think, juxtaposition, if you were to look at well, what happens in national politics in the relative context of the role of, of, of Black folks in particular in national politics, but running states may be a little different. And then how that impacts the outcomes of communities mm-hmm. and why it makes sense that some people will look and say, why do I care? Now, obviously, we've talked about a lot of reasons why you should care who runs the federal apparatus of your country mm-hmm. um, and its impact on laws being made, uh, judges, and so forth. But it is true that a program probably will come to you faster from the state, county, or or local level than it would in your perception, at least from a federal level. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the idea of Maryland and when you look at Maryland, particularly with Westmore and thinking about Baltimore, Baltimore County, but then also obviously Prince George's County, Montgomery County, you know, Maryland is much like Pennsylvania in the sense of like, you have these places with this huge black and Brown populations. And then you have, places that still feel like the Confederacy <laughs> is a brewing <laughs> possibility, right? Uh, Western Maryland, the border of Western Maryland and Western, Pen- and, and Western Pennsylvania can definitely feel like, you know, it's people are still fixing for a change. Yeah. Um, and, but you know, that's, so it is a role of thinking about that influence. And just the last thing, I, you know, about this whole, the reality of voting is just because someone's comfortable watching you act or play a sport doesn't mean they're comfortable watching you have the controls to the means of operation. Mm-hmm. And we should not confuse the two. Right. Um, and that is about the kind of, is it about the systems that propagate the thing or the individual? Because also part of the challenge is when we're voting, when we're looking to vote for people, you know, uh, <laughs> again, like uh, like Dave Chappelle said last night, like, you know, Herschel Walker is observably stupid. You know, <laughs> like he, he is one of the few people that like you got to go pretty far for your own family members to say that you shouldn't be in government. Yeah. Like there, there, there are very few people in the world that like their own family members do not want them to win. And he is one of them. However, 
you still have a situation where there's a certain amount of folks who did not vote for Raphael Warnock. Even given that. And frankly, the people who voted for Warnock, many of them did not vote for Stacey Abrams. Which, again, has to be evaluated under, you know, the 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 call of of uh, the beloved John Amos. This is America, Jack. <laughs> yeah. So, um, we, you know, we ain't gonna go super super long today. Um, you know, the, the closing thing I w- would say is one: it, it it still shows to me we're gonna have a very interesting twenty twenty four presidential experience. All right. Yeah, yeah. That's, I got the time. I got the time right in my head. When the actual election? Twenty twenty four, baby. You yeah. got it. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a wild ride because because I'm sure your man's is gonna try to run again. Tuesday, he yo he popping out Tuesday. Let y'all know. Yeah, and then, then, then your man's down down in Florida. He's gonna run. I don't know who else. There's gonna be some other like I'm not a wild. I'm not a wild boy like Republican that goes in like, look, I'm totally like a normal dude that just wants a balanced budget. I'm trying to tell. You. <laughs> like, believe me, fam. Like, listen, I'm not like those guys. Like for real, y'all can totally vote for me. I might say a couple off-putting things, but just enough to get my base. <laughs> get those folks right. to come join. You got right. You got to right. write that in. I'm gonna say some crazy shit because right. I, 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 I I work for a crazy team. He's gonna be winking, he's gonna be winking all hard and stuff. Like, believe me, I'm totally gonna just balance the budget. I am not, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm gonna just try to leave certain stuff alone. That's my plan. Don't vote for those guys, vote for me. <laughs> like, like that's gonna be his and if that dude, if that dude could get through the primary, it'll be interesting. And I'm saying it's a dude because more than likely, based on you know the, the, the nature of our patriarchy. Based on the Republican Party, it'll yeah, be it, it ain't gonna be. <laughs> It's not going to be a woman. Now, maybe, maybe it will, but I doubt it. I, 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 you know, and I would love to be surprised. I would love it not to be. I'd love it to be. Well, they have a built-in. I mean, they have a, the other thing is they have a built-in structure that functions a little differently, frankly, than the than the Democratic Party. I mean, I think in some ways probably better for the strength of the party, but probably less well for the possibilities of like new people. I mean, but again, Donald Trump kind of confounded that whole politics but yeah you know he's listen trump has already started calling ron DeSantis desanctimonious right so he already got it they already throwing shots that's crazy um on the other side you know well it's two things you know might be early to say but for whatever joe biden's frustrations he may create in in deeper philosophical discussions about what progressive politics versus standard liberal politics versus center left center right but yeah whatever joe be out here politicking and i got a tip hat that you know he's, he's this has never actually in our generated lifetime happened that the midterm didn't just crushingly go the other way and you know it, it, he may not have done a lot to make it that way, right? Because you can sometimes be the benefit of a wave of what's happening with the human dynamic. You know, there's a, uh, I actually got to grab the book, but there's a, um, Investor Cat had a book that came out recently and I was listening to an interview of him and he was like, listen, if you were a white male placed, positioned as I was in the late 50s and 60s of this type of generation, you have ridden the most fantastic wave of economic development in human history. 
You did like you you did some good decisions. You made some choices. You made some good, you know. But also, you rode like one of the greatest financial waves in the history of the planet. You know, so don't... I call that the Stacey King factor. Yeah. Like on the Bulls. Right, you like, <laughs> like there's no doubt that you were a good enough basketball player to get to the NBA, but then you did you did just happen to be on some teams with the three three of the greatest basketball players ever to play the game. Right. Yeah. Right. So you you know, be proud of your work. Just don't don't be showing up like at nobody's uh doing a speech like and my contributions to our championship. Like Stacey Stacey King. <laughs> Remember Stacey King said he was gonna bring us championship to the goddamn Sixers, man. I digress. I digress. So there's that, and then um, to be tabled for later discussion, um, the flipping of at the state level in Michigan was it Michigan, Minnesota, Maryland? You Maryland, yeah. For I mean, and I think we're gonna have Pennsylvania at least in the house. Yeah, like I, that's something I want to. Because I think that state, the state level stuff is is actually much more, for a lot of us actually, the, the state level stuff is where your your good ideas might get go to, go to crap. So you know, I'd like us to uh, revisit, and but I need to learn more about what really is going down there. And then at some point, um, I'd love to talk about the city of Portland uh, charter change um, and what that that you know, because it's actually quite interesting. Uh, but you know, we'll say that for a later date. I just want to note that, like, the West Coast political, like, and, like, structural stuff feels like when America decided it just wanted to be different. Like, like on the East Coast and the Midwest, kind of like, okay, you got charters that don't change. It never changes. Y'all kind of stuff be like, hey, man, you want to change it? Cool. Let's think about it. <laughs> Who wants to vote to, to change something? Like in Pennsylvania, we keep talking about constitutional changes, and every and you have to get sick like sixty five percent of the vote changed in like two successive in order to change anything. And everyone knows you'll never get sixty five percent of the people to vote for something in two successive presidential elections. <laughs> wow. So it just doesn't change. We're like the West. The West, generally speaking, I mean, even the whole prop stuff, the fact yeah, you yeah. can recall people, like all that kind of stuff, feels like what happened when the rest of the when the West Coast looked at the rest and was like, you know what? Maybe we should give ourselves some more outs than we do. So I would love to to talk yeah. more about what that looks like. Absolutely. And I would say I have a lot of, you know, somewhat informed but speculative <laughs> rationale for, for the like wide open electoral like, well, we could just put that on the ballot that happens out here uh, where it'd be like, you know, it also the amount of things where it's like nobody wants to hold that. They think it's a good idea. But like, well, can we get it on as a measure? And that way, you know, me, politician, you know, Jeff doesn't have to be the person who put their name on it, but we could send it to the voters. You know what I'm saying? Like. It's very, very interesting. But um, yeah, and I mean, I think in my lifetime, I mean, I've seen smaller cities, smaller municipalities, like the city of Beaverton um, change their structure, their government, but it's like, you know, a city of 100,000 people. It's not, you know what I mean? Bigger, the biggest city in the state changing its uh, government form, which was fantastically outdated. I mean, just for the record, but um, it, it's it's going to be a very interesting what this looks like in uh come 2025 you know that would be basically basically the entire council and mayor gets is going to get voted on that year so you know it's going to be i think a very you know interesting political theater so with that um 
you know, we, we can wrap it up and, uh, you know, get back to other things in, in, in the coming week. You know what I'm saying? So, you got something else? I see. Yeah, I just, I mean, uh, again, I think we're going to touch on a couple of things in the next couple weeks that are going to be interesting. Um, but I, I would say the, the, the dialogue going forward about what happens in DC and also just what you said about uh, President Biden, you know, take what you will of it, but there's probably, I can comfortably say that there's not been a democratic president that is probably, that has gotten as much done in two years as the Biden administration. Yeah. It doesn't, it may not look as hip. It may be, you know, fraught with all kind of stuff, but literally there has not been a democratic administration that has moved as much. And I think it reflects this idea of like, you may not like everything that happened, but you can't deny that it occurred and people actually made things occur and try to use government broadly speaking to benefit the, the populace. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, that, that would have been a space where we would have imagined that the next party would have taken over because of dissatisfaction, because of some psychological idea. Um, and then also, you know, I think there's going to be a, there's a really interesting conversation. And I'm looking forward to having it with you just about, you know, the classics of, of before of lore um, in music, but also. Like framing current music in the context of, I think, sometimes how we looked at past times of music and then thinking about what we're hearing, because I think we're over inundated with music and over inundated with everything to the point where we don't know if what we're hearing today is actually good or not. Sometimes we call it real good, but without thinking about it. And sometimes we don't call it good because you just heard this other stuff yesterday. Mm-hmm. So I think you know, that that juxtaposition of what that means from classics at another time, 50 years ago, to, you know, kind of artists today. Fair enough, fair enough. All right. Yeah. Well, what are we going to do? Do it. You know what I'm saying? Go right through it. Um, so with that, I'll say peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to Good Brothers. Thank you to my good brother, I'm Majestic. Good Brothers is a part of the Ash Overhead podcast, and you can support the podcast by number one, listening, sharing, but most importantly, by rating and subscribing. So, wherever you listen to podcasts, please go in, put a rating, uh, five stars if that's the scale, always being the best, um, but also subscribe and um, so we can you know, get those numbers up, make it discoverable to other people. Uh, you can also support the podcast by becoming a patron for me, of me. Uh, that's Justice Raji. Just search me on Patreon and you'll find my page there. And you can, uh, you know, contribute in a regular way. Um, the other way you can support, uh, of course, is by visiting Ash Oldhead on Etsy and grabbing an Art the Culture sweatshirt or a mug. Some other things coming which may not stay on Etsy, may end up someplace else in the near future, but you know, we'll see about that when we get there. Most importantly, though, please take something from the podcast. If you have questions or you want to give comment or feedback, feel free to find Justice Raji on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you can look up at your old head on Facebook. Um, all those channels are open to you to get some feedback to the show. And uh, other than that, um, you know, be safe next season is over you know now comes the next phase of you know actually people governing 
hopefully responsibly. We'll see. Uh, so please tune in and uh, I'll talk to you next time. Peace.